About 20 years ago, uh, when the online and virtual world was beginning to take off through the wonders of the internet, I preached a sermon where I jokingly referred to the amazing new idea I'd heard of called virtual church, which used internet technology not only to get rid of all the people problems, but also to relieve churches of the hassles of maintaining and owning buildings and properties. Uh, Church properties can be sold, the proceeds used in order to buy low-maintenance personal computers for church members. And instead of having to spoil a Sunday morning lion by going to church, church members could simply log on to their local church's website. Uh, the individual's needs and spiritual state were, would be assessed with a short questionnaire and the virtual church experience tailored to meet their needs. The promise was that virtual church uh, would bring the whole Christian experience online. Personal evangelism could actually be done without the embarrassment of actually having to meet people. Small group Bible studies could be arranged without the need to tidy up a lounge. In fact, you don't even need a lounge. You don't even need a house. Pastoral care is provided via phone, email, text, and chat groups that make really professional help possible. Of course, some will want to cling to those outdated modes of snail church. But technology has the answer for that too. Looking for personal relationships with other church members or with your minister? Well, the answer is here. The Tamagotchi electronic pet cyber minister. Feed him, pat him on the head, give him a day off a week, and he will behave well for you. Welcome to virtual church. We laugh. But little did I know 20 years ago when I preached that sermon that we would be forced into a virtual church experience of our own through the COVID pandemic over these last couple of years. Looking back at that experience, though, I think we would all agree that it just wasn't the same. That was the thing about the virtual world that we were suddenly thrust into when everything came to a standstill, whether it was trying to celebrate birthdays or trying to connect with family members uh, over Zoom, whether trying to have uh, friendships connected over those online places or trying to do a normal day's work from your kitchen table or to to hold your business meetings over Microsoft Teams. It, It just wasn't the same. And what about the world of sport? Uh, I remember watching the Olympics. You remember watching your favorite football teams uh, and watching those games on television with no fans in the stadium. It just wasn't the same either. Uh, the, the, The canned applause, the recorded cheers, it just wasn't the same. The whole experience felt a little bit empty. And then when it came to our own Sunday services and our meeting together from the comfort of our own sofas, uh, well, some of us thought it was a great thing to be able to come to church in our pajamas uh, or maybe even connect with church later in the day if the morning time didn't suit. After a while, the novelty wore off. It just wasn't the same because there's something that we miss out on when we don't meet together in person. 
Over these past few weeks, we've been looking together at this series called Love Your Church. And two weeks ago, we looked at the importance of belonging, about how uh, through Jesus Christ, we have been given a new identity as God's children, which means we're now members of God's family, the people of God. And that brings with it a whole new sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, a sense of blessing. Last week, we were looking at welcome and how as members of God's family, we are called to be welcoming, Uh, not just uh, here in our time together, if somebody new comes along and joins us, or welcoming to others that we see when we're here, uh, but welcoming with our whole lives as we point people to Jesus Christ. We welcome others because He first welcomed us. Today we're talking about gathering together and why it's so important that we make meeting together in person at church on Sundays and throughout the week a priority. Just as the Bible tells us that there's no such thing as lone ranger Christians, our passage this morning in Hebrews 10 tells us that coming together regularly for in-person weekly worship is also not an option. It's something that we're told that we must do. But why is gathering together at church so important? The writer of Hebrews tells us, saying that first off, he says it's important because when we gather as Christ's people, we gather in his presence. That's what we've been saying and thinking about this morning. The glorious hope of Easter is that through his death on the cross, Jesus Christ opened the way for us to come right into the very presence of God himself. Remember those final moments of Jesus' life as he, as he hung dying there on, on the cross, where we read in the Gospels of how in those moments the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That curtain was designed to keep people out, to protect people from God. Because God is so holy and perfect and pure, it's impossible for sinful people like you and me to stand in his presence on our own and not be destroyed. Think back to the Exodus experience. After God's people were saved from slavery in Egypt, they're wandering in the wilderness, God brings them to Mount Sinai, and there they are to receive the law from God. And we read there that if anyone apart from Moses came too close to the Mount Sinai where where God was, they would die. They couldn't live. They would be consumed by the fire of God's presence. Even animals that came too close would be destroyed. No, they had to keep a safe distance from God because no one can see God and live. And this is why the curtain was there in the temple. The curtain made sure that when they came near to God in their their worship, when they came near to his presence, they would be safe. But on the cross when Jesus died, something changed. The curtain was torn in two. In verses 19 and 20 of our text this morning, if you have your Bibles open in front of you, they tell us why that is so significant. 
Because what Jesus did there for us on the cross, we can now confidently enter into God's presence without fearing for our lives because Christ's blood now covers over our sin. Our sin has been dealt with. And therefore, he writes for the second time in this chapter, let us draw near to God. Look back to verse 1 of chapter 10 where we see this same kind of language when he's talking about drawing near to worship, which tells us what we're talking about in this passage when we hear the writer, the Hebrews, saying draw near to God. We're talking about meeting together for worship. What we think of as going to church. And we discover that the first thing that first reason that we go to church is because through Christ, we are invited to gather into God's presence. There's something special that happens here when we go to church because as the people of God, because of Jesus, you know, we're a people whose sin has been forgiven. We have been washed clean which means that we're no longer kept at arm's length from God. That was what the curtain did. Now we can come right into God's presence as his people with nothing holding us back. And this gives us great hope because life in God's presence is what we're made for. This is life in all of its fullness, life the way it was always meant to be, life that begins now and goes on forever. Drawing near to God is a foretaste of heaven. I know I'm not alone in this, but I know that there have been times when during our worship here at St. Mary's, it's like heaven opens up. And I've experienced God's nearness like I've never done before. I've experienced joy in the midst of life's challenges. I've experienced hope in the face of frustration and despair. I've heard God speaking to me, challenging me, encouraging me, strengthening me, because that's what happens when we enter into God's presence. I know there's others who have come along and visited us on a, on a Sunday who were searching for answers and, and, and for faith and who had not yet given their lives to following Jesus Christ, but they came along to one of our services just to find out what's going on here, to check it out for themselves. And when they did, they also experienced God's presence for themselves in powerful ways, moving them to look more closely at Jesus and take next steps of faith in him. Through prayer ministry here at church, people have experienced release and healing as they've encountered God's presence and his work in their lives in real and powerful ways. And that's the thing, when we encounter the risen Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are changed. Lives that are broken are made whole. Old sinful habits fall away. New life and and a new way of living becomes possible as we become more like Jesus Christ. Friends, gathering together here when we meet in God's presence is a gift. It's a privilege, one that we should never take for granted. What a joy! It is to know that through the blood of Christ, our sin is covered and we are invited right into the throne room of God. 
in our worship, we're brought close to God. We gather in his presence. Which brings us to the second reason uh, that uh, gathering for worship is so important, because it's essential for our discipleship. Through worship together, we're not only brought uh, close to God, but we're also brought close to one another in a way that you can't do when you're sitting at home watching on your sofa. Just as God's presence changes us, being together in one another's presence also is an opportunity to be changed as we encourage one another to grow in Christ-likeness, to grow in faith as well. So verse 24 continues in Hebrews chapter 10, saying, and let us consider how we may spur one another on with love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Right at the beginning, when the church was born, uh, it became normal practice for believers to gather together for their corporate worship times weekly on a Sunday, probably in the evening because Sunday was a day of work for them. Listen to what Luke tells us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. He says there, on the first day of the week, which for them would have been Sunday, uh, we came together to break bread. That's to worship. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. We'll come back to that in a second. Before Christ, God's people had been worshiping together on Saturday, the Sabbath, but now they met every Sunday because Sunday was Resurrection Day. And this was the pattern. As Easter people, we also gather together on Sunday mornings to worship Christ, our living hope, and to declare the glorious Easter message that the tomb is now empty, Jesus is alive, and even now he reigns victoriously on his throne in heaven. And so gathering to, to meet weekly for worship on Sundays was the norm back then, and it's the norm now. And yet 35 years or so after Jesus' death, some who called themselves Christians had gotten out of the habit of meeting together regularly. This is not a new problem. We all know that habits shape us. Bad habits can wreck our lives, uh, or at the very least can make us unproductive or ineffective in our work, in our relationships, or when it comes to our health, for instance. But good habits set us up for growth and for success. It's good to wash yourself and to brush your teeth daily, isn't it? It's good to take regular exercise through the week. It's good to get enough sleep every night. These are good habits. In the same way, the gathering together every week is a good habit as well because meeting together is not only about in encountering the living God, which in itself is reason enough to do it, but meeting together regularly is also essential for our discipleship. When it comes to meeting together regularly in person, verse 25 tells us that the stakes are high. One day Christ will return. And when he does, will you be ready? 
When he returns, will you be ready? Will you be more like Christ? Or will it be hard to see Christ in you? So we can be sure that we're growing in our faith and our walk with the Lord. We need to, to keep meeting together, to keep spurring one another on, to keep encouraging one another to be more like Jesus. Which means it's actually dangerous not to keep meeting together regularly for worship. Because in our gathering for worship, we all have a part to play. And if you're not there, we all miss out. You ever thought about that? If you're not there, we miss out. In the same way that if I'm not here, you miss out. Think of it this way. What's the opposite of encouragement? Tell me, class, what's the opposite of encouragement? Discouragement. Not meeting together is a discouragement to others and a discouragement to you. Because when you're not here, we miss the contribution that you bring. You miss the encouragement that others can bring to you at whatever point you're facing in life. Because here's the thing, coming to church isn't just about you. It's not about whether it makes you feel good coming here on a Sunday morning or about whether we sing the songs that you like. It's not just about your coming and sitting there on your seat and experiencing a worship service take place. It's not even soaking up God's presence as we gather there to meet Him, as good as that is. But as we meet together in God's presence, we're supposed to spur one another on to love and good deeds. We're supposed to be an encouragement to each other, reminding each other that we're not alone in this. We stand together shoulder to shoulder as we seek to follow Christ. Why is coming out regularly week after week on Sunday so important? I agree with what Tony Meredith in his book Love Your Church says. He says this, I sometimes meet a Christian who gathers weekly and is not thriving in their faith, but I have yet to meet a Christian who does not join the gathering and who is. I sometimes meet a Christian who gathers weekly, who comes to church every Sunday, and who is not thriving in their faith, but I've never met a Christian before who doesn't come to church regularly and who is thriving in their faith. So with what little time is remaining, let me think uh, quickly about some practical aspects of our worshiping together that can make our worship even better from week to week. The first is to do Uh, let me just say a few words about our heart attitude as we gather for worship, as well as uh, 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 how we worship when we meet together. And I refer uh, through this, these last few thoughts here uh, to Tony Merida's helpful comments in his book that I've referred to this morning. In Acts 20 that I talked about earlier, uh, verse 7 and, and following, Luke tells us of that one church service where Paul preached until midnight. I know you think that my sermons are long, but imagine that. Paul's sermon was so long, it lasted to midnight, and it says there that a man called Eutychus actually dozed off, and he fell out of a window, and when he fell to the ground, he died. You think my sermons are bad? This was Paul. This was the great apostle. 
okay? Uh, he killed a man with his sermon, and yet it says afterwards, amazingly, he went down and he prayed for this man, and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he was raised from the dead. When you gather for worship, you never know what might happen. And so come to church with an expectant heart, believing that God will show up, that God is here in this place, that when you come here on Sundays, you will meet God. Then when it comes to hearing God's word, what's really striking is that when those early Christians gathered, they were eager to hear the word of God explained. Acts 20, they sat up to midnight listening to Paul. Clearly Paul's sermon wasn't that exciting because Eutychus fell asleep. But for them, whether the preacher was dynamic or not wasn't the point. They just wanted to hear more. They wanted to know what God had to say for them. They wanted to understand the scriptures. The point was to better understand the word of God and to meet with God and to meet him through his word. God's word is powerful. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this. It says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is powerful, folks. And he still speaks to us through it today. And so let me offer you a few top tips when it comes to engaging with God and his word on Sundays. Firstly, listen expectantly. When you come, listen expectantly. Believe that God is speaking to you. He's not just speaking to the person two rows in front of you. We've all done that before, haven't we? Oh, I hope so-and-so is listening to this one. No, he's talking to you. What is God saying to you? today? Are you listening? Secondly, listen humbly. God's Word is authoritative because it's His Word, not ours, which means that we don't determine what the Bible says about how we should live. It tells us how to live. Put differently, we don't stand over Scripture and criticize it. Rather, we sit under it and allow God to speak to us, to confront us, to challenge us, to instruct us in the right way to live, and to ultimately change us by the power of His Holy Spirit. Listen then intently. I know I'm not the most exciting speaker. Sometimes we all get a little sleepy. Hopefully you doze off and die on me here. (laughs) But fight to stay awake. Get enough sleep the night before. Do whatever it takes to Listen intently to the sermon. Pray for the person who is speaking and who is preparing through the week. As you're listening intently, sometimes it helps to take notes. Uh, Whether that helps for you, I don't know. Sometimes I take notes on my my phone because uh, it's always with me. Sometimes I read the Bible on my phone. But make sure if you're using your phone at church on a Sunday, that your phone isn't becoming a distraction. Church isn't where you read the news or browse the internet. Then listen biblically. Think about what the preacher is saying. Measure their words against other parts of Scripture, allowing Scripture to confirm whether what they are saying is true. Uh, Listen communally for what God is saying. He's not just talking to you. He's talking to us as the family of God. So what is he saying to us as the whole church family? Listen obediently. Be ready and willing to follow in the footsteps of Christ and for him to help you 
to be a better disciple. As James reminds us, we need to be not just hearers of the Word, we need to be doers of the Word as well. And so listen practically, thinking with the help of the Holy Spirit about how you need to apply the message to your life. And lastly, listen gratefully. Listen with a thankful heart, being thankful that God still speaks to His people today. And He wants to speak to you here, even this morning. Let me just say a few words about communion and baptism. Baptism, communion, uh, as part of our worship together next week, we're going to be celebrating the baptism of little Leo. Not Leo. Next weekend, uh, it's, it's, who are we baptizing this weekend? <laughs> it's a moral baptism next weekend. Leo comes in June. So we've got two baptisms coming up. Uh, and, and, in, and in baptism and communion, the people of God are marked out. We are marked as distinct from the world. In baptism, we're buried with Christ. We're raised to walk in newness of life with Him, which means that baptism isn't just for everyone, folks. It's for those who are committed to following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. It marks us out. It sets us apart. In communion, we proclaim and we participate fully in the reality of the gospel every time we receive it, not just... uh, proclaiming that to one another, but we proclaim the gospel, the truth that Jesus died. He rose again. He is alive. We proclaim that to the heavenly realms. So, don't fall into the trap of thinking that celebrating the Lord's Supper is just something we do in memory of what Christ did. It's not a memorial service, folks, because we believe that when we gather here for worship that God is here with us, don't we? And since we believe that we are gathering in God's presence, when we gather around the table, we believe that He is here among us. And through sharing that family meal together, God wants to remind us afresh of His love and His mercy and His grace, and then to apply that to our lives as well. So communion isn't just thinking about what God did for us some point in the past. It's a real gift for right now. God wants to meet with you now when we come together for communion. It's a real gift. It's tasting His forgiveness. It's looking forward to His return when all will be made well, when we will no longer see in our lives or our world suffering or dying or pain. The Lord's Supper unites us, as does baptism, bringing us together as one family in the only way that a meal can do. At the table, we're one with Christ. There is no distinction. We are united together in Him, which surely again points us to the day when one day People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation will gather around the table in the banqueting hall of God. Singing, praying, through the word and sacraments uh, of baptism and the Lord's Supper, we hear from God, but in singing and praying, we get to speak to Him, and He listens to us, folks. Singing has always been an important way and played an important part of Christian worship. Right from the beginning, we find people singing all the way through the Bible. In Exodus, after they were saved from slavery in Egypt, they're singing about God's great deliverance. Uh, As time went on, the Psalms became their songbook. 
In more recent times, we've developed modern hymns and songs and spiritual songs for our generation. Listen to Paul's instruction. When he talks in Ephesians 5, he says, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like gathering together for worship on Sunday, singing as part of our worship isn't an option. So can I encourage you, whether you know the song that we're singing together or not, give it a go. And as you sing, open your heart to God. Remembering that our singing is an opportunity to praise God, uh, to be united together in our worship as his people. But it's also an opportunity to allow the words to encourage our hearts to sink in deep. And as we sing, also to encourage one another. Paul said, speak to one another with your songs. That's what we do. To be fair, sometimes whether it's because of circumstances or the challenges of of life, we, we may not feel like singing. We've all been there before. But if that's you this morning or in a day to come, then As we sing together, listen to the words others are singing. Let them wash over you. Let them speak to your heart. Let them encourage you. Sometimes we struggle to sing because actually we've allowed our hearts to grow cold towards God or through circumstances we feel we're further apart from him than we should be. But again, if that's you, then as we sing, pray that God will change your heart, that he will draw you close to him, renewing your mind, refreshing your soul. And and if you're not struggling, then as you sing on Sunday, remember that there might be somebody next to you who is. So sing out to encourage them. Sing out as a declaration of your faith. Put it this way, if somebody were to walk in today and see you singing, and they saw the expression on your face, if they saw the gusto with which you gave it, would they think you're a Christian or not? Would they think that you believe the words that you're declaring or not? Just something to think about. And as we close a few words on prayer, like singing prayer has been such a vital part of our worship from the beginning. Jesus taught us to pray with the Lord's Prayer that we said at the beginning of our service. After the the apostles in the early church got together, they devoted themselves to prayer. In our prayer, we show our dependency on God, our need for him. We glorify God. We thank him for what he's done for us in the past. We bring before him our needs and the needs of the world. So important. What we do here on a Sunday is so important, but we know that meeting together isn't always easy, particularly in the face of the pandemic over the past two years, as we've discovered. Other life circumstances, other emergencies that we face in life can sometimes get in the way of our meeting together as well. But if we're taking God seriously, and if we're taking God at his word, then we will commit ourselves to gathering together weekly, regularly, on Sundays and in the week when we have the opportunity to do it. And as we think about church, the question won't be, should we go to church this Sunday? But rather, how can we make the most of our gathering together this week? Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word it contains life because it points us to Jesus who is life itself, the way, the truth, and the life. And Father, as we seek to to, to grow in our faith, as we seek to grow and become more like him, we pray that as we gather together these times of worship, these, these times of, of meeting together as your family, that they would be sweet. As we gather together, we would encounter you, the presence of the living God here among us by your Holy Spirit. The risen Christ is here. He is here today. And so, Father, I pray that even as we go away from this place today, that we wouldn't go away the same people as when we came here. Father, today and in the days ahead, we invite you, when we worship, to meet with us. This is your place. As we come into your place, we pray uh, that this would be a place of joy, this would be a place of hope, that this would be a place Uh, of transformation as lives that are broken are restored. People that are in despair find hope. People that are walking in darkness are brought into the light where together we can experience and where we can declare the good news that our God reigns. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that we're here this morning by your grace. As we continue our worship now, we invite you to continue speaking to us as we declare your praise and your glory. And all God's people said, amen.